This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. As I said, we have a different kind of show today. We're going to do an hour and then we are going to go to Alex Pearson, who is in Toronto, who is uh, broadcasting out of Toronto. We'll be picking up this story today. And I thought, you know what, if we're going to be going to Alex, let's uh, let's touch base with Alex first, find out what she actually is uh, is going to be doing tonight. Alex, thanks for joining us early on tonight. Hey, Scott, how are you? Yeah, it's uh, been an incredibly busy day, and we're actually just going through um, pretty much mountains of, of audio footage. I'm sure. Scene. Yeah, and it's uh, a lot to unravel because there's a lot that has happened. Well, and you know, the thing that strikes me about this, and I was just saying before the break, is I grew up right in this area of Toronto. I know this area well. This is not supposed to happen here. Of everything that came out today, this is not supposed yeah. to happen here, not supposed to happen there. Yeah, no, it's not supposed to happen, you know, but it does happen. It's happened in uh, Edmonton over the Christmas holidays where a cop got hit by a van that was being driven uh, by someone hell-bent on an ideology. It happened in France. It happened in New York City, you know, with a bunch of bike cyclists getting mowed down. I mean, this is the new face of terror um, where anybody with the will or the motive, whether it be religion, ideology, it doesn't really matter. They can get into a van turn it on and drive it down a sidewalk and kill and maim innocent people. And, you know, Scott, this is the first real day that people have been able to go out, eat their lunch, go for a walk, stretch their legs, uh, maybe go pick up their child from the area daycare that's up around there. And um, at one thirty in the afternoon, who would have thought that a, a van would mount this, this sidewalk and drive down really the busiest street uh, in the country? For sure. I but mean, that can't be, a, that is, Alex, yeah. it can't be a coincidence that today was the day this happened. It just can't. As you say, the first day that people are actually outside and there are people, it just, it seems too coincidental that this is just, hey, I, you know, that three weeks ago or four weeks ago, this guy or whatever picked today to do it. It just seems unlikely it's an accident. Well, well, it's, it's I, I, timing, I mean, timing I, I, accidentally. I, the, the timing is, is, uh, is right on. I don't know what the motive is yet. It's nope. going to take us, I think, some time. Um, but a lot of people will say, well, how do you know it's terror? Terror to me is, is any act that puts people into a state of absolute fear. And that's what happened in Toronto. We don't know what might have driven this person to do this, but it is terror. Make no mistake about it. And I don't care what their beliefs are. What they did to the city of Toronto has, has uh, I don't even think it's set in. I'm still kind of in shock like the rest of, of, of everyone at just the number of dead bodies that are piling up and the number of injuries, 16 people still fighting for their lives in hospital. I mean, it's just the randomness hmm. in the area that struck with why this area. It's not a, an area that is religious. It's not like there's a temple up there or a synagogue or a, a mosque. This is an area where there are a lot of restaurants, movie theaters, shopping um, uh, stores. Um, you'd be sitting out on the patios today. It's where Mel Lastman Square is, yeah. so a lot of people would have been eating their lunch out there in that square. So this is an area where it's just there's no real symbolic uh, gesture behind it. So why would they strike in that area versus, let's say, downtown Toronto, where City Hall is, where people would have been out? I don't know what the motive is. I don't know what the agenda is. But what I know is um, it has utterly... I think shocked everybody. Yeah, there there is a federal building along the way, but there was yeah. no attempt. There's no suggestion that the federal building was a target in any way. It no. went right by there. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other thing is, Alex, that all through the day today, mm-hmm. there have been questions about: Is it possible that this could have been some sort of crazy accident that this person lost? Mm-hmm. Every, when you hear all no. the witnesses today, it's pretty clear this was an intentional thing. Now, there's it's it's impossible to think that this was not that. 
No, no, no. It, it is impossible because it is impossible. I mean, we're just hearing from too many um, experts who are saying that this person was known to police. And if you look at the audio and the video, and we'll play it on the show tonight, of where the suspect is literally um, face-to-face with a police officer, kind of goading him into shooting him. So he looks like, he makes it look like he's pulling out a gun out of his pocket, and he keeps saying, I have a gun. I have a gun. Kill me. And you can see the police officer very methodically get a weapon out of his car and you know, very, very robotically was able to talk to him until they came in for the arrest. But there's no question he was making his mark, either wanted to go out in a in a blaze of glory. Um, the cops did not shoot him. So they will be able to glean, I think, a lot of information about him. I'm not going to report. Uh, all I know is right now there is a suspect. We understand he's 25 years old, but there's there's not a confirmation on the actual name of this person, so I don't want to be putting it out quite yet. No, and there's and right now, you know, it, we live in an interesting time because you go back now. This is very different, I understand, but you go back to the JFK assassination, and there was the Zapruder film. There was one guy who happened to have a camera rolling at that time, yeah, or else we have yeah. no witnesses yeah. of the Kennedy assassination here. Yeah. There's already probably 50 different cell phone videos that are up online of either that motion of him pointing the alleged gun or getting arrested. Uh, It's not going to be hard to establish who the guy was or that they've got the right person. And and from the reports that we're hearing uh, with uh, intelligence and or police, um, you know, he had been on the map for a while. We've got the age and I think it'll come out quickly um, from there. As to what the motive was, because, again, we'll get information through social media and what he was into or not into, maybe would have, would have driven him, whether it was mental illness and or if, in fact, um, it was driven by some kind of ideology. But it, it, I think, and I can only say this, people are shocked right now. And so we're not at the point yet of being outraged and angered. I think if it turns up that this guy was on some watch list or some list that he was on the radar and no one did anything, there's going to be a lot of anger as to why. Why was he able to go out and rent a a van or why was he able to go out and and be out in public? There's still so many, so many unknowns. But the reality is, Scott, we now live in an age where anybody can get a, a van or an automobile and plow it down a city street, be it Toronto, Hamilton, London, wherever. And that is now a, a, a modus uh, of, of being able to kill people. And that's, it really strikes at the fear of people. Alex Pearson will be up at 7. She will be here till 10 tonight. She will be talking about this in great detail. Yeah, Alex, thanks, got, for, uh, thanks for doing this today. Thanks for My doing pleasure. this today, and we'll be, uh, we'll be listening to you. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. If you don't know Toronto very well, if you don't know that area of Toronto, Shepherd and Young, and I assume most of you do, I assume most of you get up to that area or have been up to that area, Shepherd and Young is like the, the northern downtown of Toronto. There's the downtown, and then this is the North York that Mel Lassman built. This is the center of Mel Lassman's Toronto. Once upon a time, not a lot there, but now it is a massively built up, massively populated, massively busy area with condos and restaurants and North York City Hall and Mel Lassman Square and tons of other stuff around there. As Alex said during the last break, we don't know the reason for what happened today exactly, but... I think it's a reasonable guess that this may have been chosen, at least in part, because there were going to be people there for sure. Now, one of the people who was there, 
Well, I'm going to bring her on and let her tell her story because I don't know the whole story except that she was really, really way too close to this today. Her name is Genevieve D'Souza. She uh, she joins us now. Genevieve, thanks for doing this today. Oh, thank you, Scott. Uh, walk me through this. What were you doing on Young Street today and then what happened? Well, to be honest, if I sound out of breath, it, the, the heart's still be- beating pretty quickly. Um, I was out for a power walk uh, today. Uh, as I am normally, and normally I'm in my neighborhood, but this time I thought I'd go to the bank. There's a Royal Bank on Young Street, and I thought I'd take a power walk out that way on Young. Um, and as I was coming back, I thought I'd, you know, check into the Shoppers Drug Mart. And as I was walking behind me, I he- heard a loud crash, and I thought, oh, God, because people drive really fast up and down that strip of uh, Young Street. So I thought it was a, a car crash. Um, I turned around and I saw um, this truck that was plowing through people. And I saw, you know, it was horrific. It was just horrific, Scott. And, and so you're on the sidewalk and you turn around and back on the sidewalk, he's coming towards you. Uh, exactly. So I ran across to the east side of Young just to get away. And I thought, oh, I got to get out of here. I got to run. I didn't even know what was going on. It, like, it was just pretty much a blur. You, I mean, this is going to be no fun to talk about. I understand that for anybody, but I mean, you saw him going through people. I think, um, it was, it was through people, through a mailbox, uh, and up on the curb. It looked like people, like I turned around so quickly that, you know, I can only guess that it was, there were people in the air. And I'm surprised only because, I mean, who knows what anyone is, how anyone is going to react when this happens. I'm surprised you actually had the, the thought almost of what to do or where to go. Well, I mean, I, ha- I have a little son. So my first thought was, oh my God, I got to get out of here. And his bus was, his school bus was going to come. Uh, so I had to walk home pretty quickly anyway, and I was pretty far from home. So my first thought was to get out and get home. Did you have any sense when this was at what was your first thought though when you see this that this is a, a someone's gotten out of control and just got onto the sidewalk you wouldn't think that this was intentional at first i didn't think anything because uh, that strip of young scott is just it's brutal it's brutal people speed down that strip of young all the time and um you know in light of all those van incidents that have happened around the world I, it didn't even dawn on me that it could happen in Toronto. I mean, it just doesn't happen in Toronto. So nothing like that even entered my mind. The only thing that did enter my mind was another crazy driver in another crazy accident. And then I get to the side streets and I'm running and I'm bawling my eyes out and I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm assuming those were bodies, right? And I get to the side streets and there are police cruisers coming from every angle and I got stopped by one uh, police officer who had another, his partner in the car, and they said, ma'am, are you okay? And I was just bawling, and I couldn't even talk, um, so they called for paramedics to get checked out. I had, um, had to sit on the curb and get checked out. Did you, were you able to see, did he keep, like, where was this on Young Street? Is this right at Shepherd or right at Finch or somewhere in between? Just a little uh, south of Finch. So this was just as he was basically right, getting... there's a massive shopper's drug mart. So this is as he was basically getting started, really, because he started Exactly. Did exactly. you see him continue on? Did, did you watch it go on, or no, did you just... No, because I had crossed the street. No, I, I just ran. I didn't see anything else. So when, how long after then, 
was it that you started to hear or pick out from people what had gone on? When did you realize? When I got to the side streets and I was bawling my eyes out, I kind of glanced behind, but everybody was running. It was such a terrible scene. Everybody was running in different directions. I got stopped, uh, questioned by Trump police, and if I was okay, then I got checked out. And then people started to come down from the condos. It's like a, 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 a huge condo development area, right? So people started coming down from their condos and telling people, uh, Everybody on the street said it, it had already reached CNN on the news. And uh, that's when I said, oh, my God. Is that the first time you actually thought that it might be intentional? Yes. And yes. then what? Then what do you think? When you start to think that this was intentional and somebody possibly was trying to do this, what do you think? You know, my first thought at that moment then was the T word. And I thought, okay, Toronto? <laughs> This can't happen in Toronto. Yeah. That T word can't happen in Toronto. And um, that was the next thought then. But then I heard variations. Somebody else said, oh, they heard that the the, the fella had a, um, had a stroke. And someone else said that he lost control of the vehicle. He must have been a distracted driver. And then I heard um, a potential terrorist act. Well, thank goodness you're okay. Uh, close, uh, you'll never want to be closer to one of those than that ever, uh, for sure. Uh, Genevieve D'Souza, really uh, appreciate the time. Get some breath. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Oh, God, yeah. Hugging my son extra tonight. <laughs> for sure. Genevieve yeah. D'Souza, thanks for the time tonight. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. We're talking about what has happened in Toronto today. Um, you know, it's, a, it's an enormous story. Because these things don't happen here. They just, they don't. There are murders in Toronto. We know that. There are other forms of crime that happen. But this kind of thing, we like to believe they don't happen in Canada. You know, you you think about the, uh, you think about the situation in Ottawa with Nathan Cirillo. Even that, as, as unbelievably horrific as it was, you you kind of chalk it up to someone who did one, for some people anyway, it was one moment of, of, you don't think of these massive terror kind of things. And that's what this one certainly begins to look like. It just, it doesn't happen. Well, I want to bring in Jeremy Cohen. He is a, a digital journalist with uh, Chorus or with, uh, with Global, pardon me, with Global News. Uh, he was down at the scene for a lot of the day today. Uh, Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, hey, Scott. Uh, you, uh, I was following your tweets today. You were down bet- on Young between Finch and Shepard for a good part of the day today, right after this happened. Um, take a few seconds here, take a few minutes, and uh, what did you see? I mean, when this thing happens and you're walking around and it hasn't been cleaned up, nothing's happened yet officially for police or anything, what do you see? Yeah, you know, my main uh, beat is pretty much breaking news. So it's not uncommon for me to be at a, uh, a crime scene or the scene of a fatal accident. But as soon as I arrived here, I realized that, that this, was, uh, this was different. I mean, we don't really like to use uh, words like chaos uh, or whatnot where they don't apply, but that's what this was when I got here. Um, it was the type of situation where I parked my car and got out and started walking on Young Street. And um, I came across so many basically separate crime scenes, even though it was all one big scene. Uh, there were victims, there were bodies on the road. 
several of them, uh, that had been covered by orange tarps. There were people uh, very distraught, blood on their faces, uh, being assisted by Toronto paramedics, Toronto firefighters. So I arrived within about uh, 10 or 12 minutes of this call coming in, and, and by that point it was still very fresh and emergency crews were were, de- were descending on the scene. Uh, Jeremy, th- uh, any question that I ask, some of these are going to be cumbersome and awkward and, and uh, you know, but how did the bodies get onto the road? I understood that this guy had driven on the sidewalk the entire way. Yeah, you know, Scott, this is the sort of thing that uh, is going to come out in the next day or so uh, as police give us a little bit more information. I spoke to witnesses who basically said that uh, people were jumping out of this van's way uh, and that anything in his way uh, was was going to be hit from uh, road barrels to uh, signs, anything in his path. Um, he was he was going to hit. So uh, witnesses were telling me that that they had jumped out of the way. Uh, really, a, a chaotic situation here. And and basically, we now have a four kilometer stretch of Young Street closed. Yeah. Uh, now, okay. How did he get onto the sidewalk? I'm assuming that it was an inter- at an intersection, and there's just a you know there was no light pole or anything, and it was just open. Is that is that a good guess? At that point, at this point, we're not too sure, Scott. Uh, it's a very, very large crime scene. I mean, as you know, um, when there is a fatal accident, it usually takes several hours for police to deal with. Um, this is a fatal accident and then so much more, or a fatal collision and then so much more. So we have such a large scene here that is going to take police a very long time to process. At this point, uh, Young Street, usually, you know, an extremely busy area of this city, is completely uh, closed. Pedestrians cannot cross the road from east to west. Uh, so at this point, the investigation obviously underway, but here at the scene, things are actually very calm right now, even though there is a lot of work to be done. And it was, we were talking with Alex Pearson off the top. It was a beautiful day. It's probably the first really beautiful day we've had. Would it be a fair assumption that today when you arrived there, there were an awful lot of people out in that area? I mean... Absolutely. When I started work today, I, I was actually sort of excited to cover news on finally a, a you know a sunny day with blue sky and warmth, um, and that's what other people were doing as well. I mean, there was no doubt that it was extremely busy. Not to mention we were basically in rush hour. Um, this stretch of Young Street is extremely populated with uh, businesses, with stores, a lot of condos in the area. Of course, the subway runs through here, so it, it's a busy area on a good day. Um, and then once this once this happened, we uh, people immediately started coming out of office buildings and um you know there was really a look of of um people being dazed even the toronto fire chief uh, normally very chatty with the media came up to us and uh, basically initially didn't have anything to say do we know jeremy at this point why he stopped and, and the reason i ask that is because these kind of things that uh, unless he runs into a barricade or something like that it it, it why would he stop do we do we have any answer about why the vehicle came to a stop well, Scott, as you can uh, imagine, again, the four-kilometer stretch of Young Street here is affected. So I have not actually been to the location where the vehicle was stopped. Um, that's slightly south of me. I've mainly been focusing on uh, the victims and, and speaking to witnesses. So it's a little bit further south of me. Um, again, an area that is very, very congested with traffic, uh, even on a good day with no closures in effect. So possibly he, he simply ran into traffic and, and had no mm. other choice. Just before I let you go, you you say you've been talking to all the to all sorts of people down there. What's the common thing? Is it is it mostly disbelief, or what, what's the the more common view of what people have been saying about this today? You know, obviously, a lot of people uh, come up to the cameras to ask what's going on, um, what happened here, that sort of thing. So when we when we break the news to people, um, saying you know we've had multiple pedestrians struck and killed, um, people really are shocked. 
Uh, you know, Young Street is not immune to incidents. It's such a busy road that inevitably uh, there will be fatalities and, and uh, there will be police activity. And people who live and work around here are used to that. But as soon as I arrived here, I realized that this was a completely different magnitude uh, than anything we've really seen at all around here. Again, four kilometer stretch of Young Street closed. Um, I'm right now I'm witnessing pedestrians trying to navigate their way around the area. And uh, it may not sound like a big deal, but even for those who are trying to get home um, or, or or get in their way somewhere else. People are, are frustrated, but understandably frustrated. People people know that this is a very serious investigation, but uh, again, it's definitely uh, it's definitely affecting people's evening. Jeremy Cohn from Global News. Uh, really appreciate it. Tough day today for sure, Jeremy, but I appreciate you taking some time. Thanks, Scott. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. We're bringing in Rick Zamperin of CHML. He just just made it home. He's been on the air all day, just made it home. I said, hey, Rick, why don't you come back on the air? Because you have nothing else to do tonight. Uh, appreciate you doing this, sir. And I, I'm facetious about that last part. You have lots of other things to do, including there is another event in Toronto that you will be monitoring this evening. Uh, it is a Toronto Maple Leafs game, which kind of sounds, I don't know, it, it sounds silly almost, even bring it up tonight, I suppose, considering what's happened. Should, should they be, should there be talk about whether or not to play this game tonight? Certainly there should be. Uh, I know logistically that would be a nightmare for everyone from, you know, people in the arena who work there, the fans possibly coming in from out of town. Uh, it, it is a good question. I, I think that if it were to be postponed, that everyone you know involved would understand why. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, would, they could play tomorrow night or whatever the case is. But there's no doubt in my mind that two things are going to happen tonight. Number one, there's going to be definitely mention of it in a moment of silence, and there should be. Uh, number two, and, and we know this for a fact already, is that added security has been brought in for tonight's game at Air Canada Centre, which is nowhere near where, you know, this incident uh, happened earlier today in Toronto. But we are going to see not only extra security inside Air Canada Centre, but Outside as well, because as you know, thousands upon thousands of Maple Leafs fans, and there'll be a few Bruins fans in there as well, will gather outside of the arena and uh, watch the game in what is known as Maple Leaf Square, or if you're a basketball fan, Jurassic Park, as they view uh, what's going on inside on the giant screen outside of the ring. So there's going to be added security both inside the ACC and outside, just as an extra precaution. Police aren't expecting anything else. But uh, they're just trying to be, um, uh, you know, as safe as they can be. Yeah. And look, I I mean, when I raise the question, my view is you you don't delay the game today. Um, You're going to play it tomorrow. It's not like you're not going to play it. So whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, um, as long as you, I think you're respectful to what happened. And as you say, you acknowledge it and you have a moment of silence and it's not looking like it's just a thrown together thing. The game's going to be played, so may as well play it. Yeah, at the end of the day, again, we don't know what the motive is in this uh, in this attack. If it is terrorism or, or whatever the case is, you know, uh, I think our society has shown in the past, and it's very difficult to do in light of a tragedy like this. You know, even for myself, still kind of digesting and absorbing, uh, you know, everything that has happened because you know, during a news wheel, you're just trying to get the latest information and relay that to our listeners to you know keep them up-to-date and informed, and, and in, in many cases, keep them safe. If You know, it's, it's something happening closer to home, just like what was happening around the John Sipping Courthouse today. We want our listeners to be safe in these sort of times. Um, but life has to go on as well. We can't allow 
these types of people, or if it is some kind of ideology, we can't allow them to, to win, basically, when it boils all down. We, we have to continue to live our lives. And that means, yes, in, enjoying a sporting event, being in the company of others, uh, while, uh, you know, uh, being able to, you know, do what we want to do, whether it's go to a movie theater or a mall or even walk down the street along the sidewalk, we have to feel uh, safe in, in doing so. And, and when we don't, and I know over the next, you know, couple of days or a few weeks, uh, we're going to have that apprehension and we should be vigilant in these times. But, uh, you know, as time moves on, we're going to feel that much more safer. So we, we can't let them win. We have to you know, continue to do the things that uh, we do and, and, and we love with our loved ones. I had not even considered it, but you kind of made me, uh, made my eyes bug open a little bit there when you mentioned about the the people who are going to be in Maple Leaf Square and you realize, you know, this was a, as bad as it was up Young Street today. My goodness. Um, you know, a, a good thing they're adding that security because just, I mean, the, the possibilities, if someone did something where there were really thousands of people is unfathomable. Yeah, and Maple Leaf Square, and for anybody who hasn't uh, been, uh, you know, to that area, if you've been to the ACC, you know, you know where it is. Basically, there is a monumental, a, monoth- a monolith-like screen outside of Air Canada Centre that if you don't have tickets to a Maple Leafs game, and, and very few of us can get them, uh, you're able to stand outside and watch the game. Uh, now, they do you know, serve alcohol, and there's you know, food uh, stations all the way around because you know, the team and those you know, vendors outside uh, make a good buck. Uh, but it is somewhat cordoned off from traffic in these types of you know, playoff scenarios. There's fencing or barricades. But still, if there was a vehicle, and I don't want to give anybody you know, any ideas, obviously, but uh, there certainly can be in a lot of damage even in a regular season game because there are literally thousands of people exiting this one venue and susceptible to uh, an attack like we saw earlier today. Yeah, I, first of all, I don't think anyone who's going to have ideas is going to have ideas. I don't right. think they need yeah. you or I to provide them. Clearly, they are very creative in their, uh, their evil intents, but... Nonetheless, it does make me wonder, I've, I've you know, you, we've seen these in the games and they've got fencing up. It seems to me it's a matter of time before something more permanent is put there. Some sort of cement barricade or something to make sure that it's a little safer than it is right now, potentially. If, if there wasn't before, there probably will be now. You know, we saw extra precautions made in New York City after what happened uh, there, certainly around, you know, the New Year's Eve celebrations uh, with extra barricades, tens of thousands of more officers on scene. Uh, you know, we have to be on a heightened awareness uh, in these types of, uh, you know, crowds that grow into the tens of thousands. And there'll be, you know, close to 20,000 people at Air Canada Centre. And, you know, I, I can think of a variety of scenarios where there's a mass of people going to or exiting a, a sporting event or, or whatever the case is. It doesn't even have to be sports. It could be entertainment related or, or whatnot that these types of demented individuals can look at and say, you know, this is you know prime targets for me to do uh, an exorbitant amount of uh, damage and change, you know, dozens of lives in the process. So uh, it, it is a you know a troubling uh, incident. There's no doubt about it. And it's going to be interesting to see what um, the Toronto Maple Leafs and Boston Bruins uh, do tonight in advance of the game. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. We do want to talk a little bit tonight, Rick, about actual hockey. I know there's been an awful lot going on. I know it is secondary to everything else that is much more important and much more real life. Uh, But do you know what happened 54 years ago today? 54 years ago today? 54 uh, years ago today. 
Would it would it would have been the Bill Barilko goal? No, not quite. Although that arguably became one of the most famous Leaf moments. You could argue that fifty four years ago tonight was the most gutty Leaf moment ever. It was Bob Bond <laughs> scoring yeah. on a broken ankle to tie the series with Detroit. And what would the series be tied at that night? Three three. He tied at three three, and the Leafs went on to win in seven. Little bit of a uh, little bit of mojo there, perhaps a little historic stuff going on for the Leafs. What are you suggesting? <laughs> well, I don't know if they've got anyone who's going to break an ankle. I don't know if they want to line up for that treat. Um, well, you know what, Roman Polak basically broke his ankle last year against the Washington Capitals. Now he wasn't healthy enough to come back and score the game-winning goal, but uh, and I don't want to see anybody get hurt. But I'll, I'll take any kind of victory tonight over the Boston Bruins if I'm a Maple Leafs fan. Uh, and I, you know, I believe you. You know, you lean a little bit that way, at least to drive Bill Kelly nuts, uh, if nothing else. I mean, ev- everyone around here will take whatever side isn't the Bruins, just to drive Bill a little bit bonkers. But I mean, what Leaf team is going to show up though? Because we've seen two completely different. We've seen the first two games; they were awful, and then we've seen a pretty good. Well, the third period, not so much last game, but we've seen a pretty good Leaf team the other games. I think they've been. Uh, I think it's fair to say they've been a lot more consistent. Over the last, uh, you know, uh, two two and a half games, um, you know, playing at home, I think, is uh, you know a huge motivating factor for them to not only play well for their fans, but I think just play well for themselves. And knowing that, listen, if they if they lose tonight, I mean, the season is over. So I think having that motivation uh, is always strong and always kind of carries, uh, you know, a team uh, in, in terms of their you know enthusiasm and, and play, especially coming out of the gate. We saw Game Three. In Toronto, you know, absolutely dominated by the Maple Leafs in the first 10 minutes. Boston kind of weathered the storm. Now, Toronto still ended up winning the, the hockey game. But, you know, Boston can play in Toronto. And, you know, obviously we saw last game that vice versa, Toronto can play in Boston. I think it, it as every playoff game and, and virtually every playoff series does, it will come down to goaltending. Uh, you know, if both teams play up to their capabilities. Uh, you know, Frederick Anderson can outduel Tukarask or vice versa. You know, that team is going to win. We've seen some unbelievable, you know, saves in this series, and we've really seen some below-average goaltending in this series as well from both individuals. So, you know, flip a coin to determine which team comes out on top tonight or even in this series. But I think it rests with the guys between the pipes, and if they can get it done, uh, who knows? We're seeing overtime tonight. Well, and when I said which Leaf team is going to show up, you could probably ask the same about the Bruins. Uh, because when you look at that uh, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line, in the games Boston has won, those guys have 23 points. In the games they've lost, they have zero points. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, I mean, talk about your tale of two different teams. That is two different Boston teams, depending on how those that particular line does. Without a doubt. And you know what? Special teams, I think, might have a big part tonight. We saw that certainly in Game 5, in which Toronto was 1-for-1 one one on the power play. Boston was 1-for-6, and at one point had four power plays in a row and just could not capitalize. Now, they did get a lot of momentum from those power plays, and they did keep you know the, the guys who don't play on the penalty-killing unit for the Leafs off the ice, and that really kind of... You know, stunts uh, a team's momentum when you're taking that many penalties, certainly in a row. Um, you know, you mentioned the top line for Boston, uh, you know, Bergeron, Pasternak, and, and Marshawn. When those guys are going, you know, it's one of the most dominating lines in the National Hockey League. Um, but it looks like the Leafs, whether it's Tomas Pekanitz or, you know, Nazem Kadri is going to be playing on that second line tonight. I know kind of two lineups have been uh, mentioned over the last 24 hours. 
depending on who gets that assignment, you know, that's a tough job to shut mm-hmm. those guys down. But they've done a good job in, in those victories. So, I mean, that's a, that's a huge key tonight, too. There has been a lot of anger from Leaf fans about, especially the officiating last game. And I, I don't look at too many of those calls against Toronto and say those were not penalties. You break a stick, you do these things. I, it's pretty hard not to have called them. The anger, it seems, is that the Bruins have been getting away with stuff is the sentiment. Do you think the Bruins have been getting away with stuff in the series that Toronto's been getting called for? I can't point to too many instances. I, I can certainly you know, point to one penalty that was called against the Leafs last game, uh, the one against Travis Dermott, and when he threw, I can't remember, the Boston player down onto the ice, and it was almost as though the official was calling a slew foot, which there wasn't in that case. So I, you know, that really was the only penalty I thought that, eh, I, I think that could have been left you know, alone, but, uh, you know, the other ones were certainly deserved. Um, you know, if, uh, other than that, I can't really see this being a badly officiated series. I know, you know, diehard Leafs fans are going to cry foul whenever Boston gets a power play, but, you know, listen, sometimes when the Leafs are chasing the game, and they were certainly doing that in the first two games, they're going to be called because they are a step behind. They, they're not in coordination, uh, not on the same page with their teammates or line mates. So, you know, when you're chasing that puck, uh, sometimes you have to do desperate things or dumb things, and you're going to get penalized for it. Well, we will see because uh, there's a website called Scout the Refs or Scouting the Refs, Scout the Refs or Scouting the Refs, I can't remember now, uh, .com. And Kevin Pollock, who's one of the refs tonight working the game, has the fourth highest percentage of penalties called against home teams of any <laughs> official in the NHL. We'll see if that continues. Leaf fans may be apoplectic if uh, if it does. If um, but we'll see. I, I I'm with you. I don't think it's been uh, an imbalance caused by the refs. I think the Leafs have to play better in the third period and not just collapse. Rick Zamprin, enjoy the game tonight. We will see also what uh, what the Leafs do. I'm sure they will do something good about what happened in Toronto today. Thanks for the time. You got it. Take care. The Scott Radley Show. The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.